our playroom is just like covered in candy right oh. now. Did you take the as mommy, much as you want? The mommy tax. Oh, we did, guys. Excellent. I got. I got the what? I got busted last night. Our whole GC <laughs> went out, and then afterwards, a few friends stayed by, and we always we watch a movie every year. It's tradition, and so of course we like are raiding through the candy. And I thought the kids were asleep, and I was like, they were in the other rooms. So I was like, hey guys, what do you want? I hear out of the kids' bedroom. Mommy, are you stealing our candy? <laughs> I'm so happy to be back. I missed you last week. We missed you. But you did great. I loved what you had to share. So thank you for that. So we are on week six, if you can believe that already. And in November of our Not So Little Women series, Eric's message is on uh, the Samaritan woman at the well in the John 4 narrative this week. I loved this message so much. I found it extremely refreshing, Eric's take on this story, because I have only, and I've heard the story covered quite a bit, I've only ever heard it interpreted through the lens of like, this woman was an adulteress Mm -hmm. or guilty of some kind of sexual immorality. And so to hear his interpretation of, you know, that that's not explicitly clear in scripture. So, you know, why don't we consider this other possibility? I really appreciated that. I was curious about your own histories, like with this story, how has it presented, how has it been presented to you in the past? Yeah, that way for sure. Okay. It reminds me of Rahab. Yeah. She gets the bad route. <laughs> oh, this is kind of similar. Why now are we hearing these other sides to these stories? I don't get it. Tell it us, just blows you know me why. away. Actually, <laughs> 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 both of those are appropriate. <laughs> I just don't get it. I think it goes back to, was that week one uh-huh. or week two? Right? One on Eve? Yeah. Yeah. How women are viewed. Yeah. For centuries. Well, and that's what, that's what came about even with this one um, with Eric talking about opening it up with Eve. Mm-hmm. And that even just kind of clicked with me. That is when it all started on on Eve, the first woman setting the <coughs> precedence of how women v- were viewed. And sermon series like this breakthrough, you know, it's it's teaching us a new perspective. It's teaching us how God sees us as women, how we have a place in, in, in his grand narrative and, and, and he's working out our stories for his own glory. And it just, it means a lot. This is such a beautiful encounter. And I mean, there's so many examples, right? Of God traversing these boundaries, like to, to make his presence near even to those who are marginalized and outcast. And yeah, we don't even have the full um, firsthand experience of this kind of division, right? You can read about it or hear about it. Like Eric does a really good job talking about the relationships, I think among Jews and Samaritans, like in the mm-hmm. first century. And even that is, is shocking, but to have been in that day, you know, for his disciples to like come upon this scene and witness it. I just, I can't even imagine how powerful a message that must have sounded like, wow. You know, he's willing to forego kind of these societal norms to have this like life altering exchange with this woman. It's incredible. He goes out of his way. He's pursuing her <clears throat> in a way that is just, it's turning everything upside down. Also, with all these, with each story that has come about, it seems like we have had this snapshot of each woman ingrained in our brain of who she was. And I think we talked about 
before. What was that? Um, oh, the sin label mm-hmm. of and and even this woman at the well of of the thoughts that were put on her. All those assumptions that we've had have given us our perception on this woman. And so doing this series has really opened up that box as to going deeper of the heart of each one of these women. Exploring them with more nuance and not just seeing them kind of through the lens of the same old tropes. <laughs> you know, it's refreshing. An issue came up with a person in our community um, and people are talking about what has happened with this woman and how could they possibly um, try to do such a thing. And my, the first thing that entered my mind was, do we really know the whole story? Mm-hmm. And that's what I said to the person that had brought it up. I think really um, understanding, getting to know a person and their heart, I think, uh, really makes a difference on their story. Right. You know, one of the questions we've been asking each week in the notes is, I'm paraphrasing, but something to the effect of like how to foster diverse gospel-centered community. And I thought that it really comes into play this week with this message because Eric talks about the role of these divisive distinctions and how Jesus doesn't let that stop him from, you know, like you were saying, entering into real relationship true understanding of someone's story, discipling in that place, meeting someone where they are. And it, was, it led me to wonder like, what, what kind of divisive distinctions today do maybe we need to abandon? What is it that's prevalent today that leads to division that actually are maybe in disguise true discipleship opportunities? Politics. Yeah, Total. <laughs> that was yeah, the first yeah. thing in my mind. <laughs> um, um, where our money's being sent and if we might not agree with it. And at, at the foot of the cross, none of that matters. Yeah. That our compassion needs to outweigh whatever convictions we have. It, it just, that's what Jesus did. That's what he calls us to do. And I think even closer to home, neighborhoods we live in, things that we have, don't have, education, divorce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, found this just such a compelling picture of what it means to continually move towards someone, despite whatever societal norms might tell you to otherwise like pull back or ignore or reject. We know this from just being part of the church. That's just as possible inside the church as it is outside. Right. And so how much more than a, a spiritual family should we be fighting for unity? I love in the beginning uh, the verse that Eric started out with talking about the the wellspring. And then he goes into his message talking more about that, how you can never, ever clog up or stop a spring. No matter what you put on top of it, it just bubbles through, mm-hmm. becomes a spring in us, welling up to eternal life. That's a pretty cool gift. Yeah. And how much better is that than kind of our own proverbial water jars right i loved that it really stood out to me and i shared this with eric too just that image of her like leaving her water jar behind right after this encounter i was like huh where are those in my life like what do i need to leave behind in that way the things that we repeatedly turn to that we think will satisfy 
and will inevitably fail because they're not a true living water. After, you know, they're kind of talking about water, then it goes to where's your husband and his questions are so probing. It goes deep to her sin. He doesn't mention sin, though. I think these deep probing questions are getting her to see her need for the the living water. It's showing her her thirst. So are we assuming that she has no, maybe these relationships aren't sinful relationships? That that was his argument. That's his argument. Mm -hmm. He talked about like in first century under Roman occupation too, you could have. That's right. These on paper, not marriages, but they were kind of sanctioned anyway. Yes. But anybody that goes through that many relationships either starts off thirsty or ends up thirsty. I'm, I shouldn't put her in a category. I don't know. This is a collectivist society we're talking about, though. Yeah. So, and I think he does a good job talking about that. How much more was at stake? It really wasn't even just between her and another man. It's, you know, the family's well-being, the societal well-being, economic security. So there's a lot that we don't quite know there. Right. My previous thoughts were when Jesus says, go get your husband. I always looked at that as him shaming her. Hmm. And now from going through this message, I see a totally different perspective. Yeah. That, like you said, there was no shame even talked about, no no sin even talked about. Do you think the fact, though, that she's there by herself in the heat of the day, that she's living in some sort of shame, avoiding people in the community? Could be, but not necessarily. That's true. He touched on that as well. Yeah. So that's where community comes in, where Jesus is showing us, get us alone. Let's have these deeper conversations. Let's probe. Let's get in there, you know, where mm-hmm. you're hiding all this stuff and let's work it out. It's hard to make those conversations happen. I don't think you can force it, but surely it's a work of the spirit if we're willing to let him do it. I see it happening, though, every time we three sit at the table. And so I think that that, says something for maybe getting together during the group during the week and be intentional on speaking deeper yeah do you think his probing questions are sort of aggressive i don't you don't see it that way okay yeah again it it kind of depends on the way you frame it If, if i think previously under the interpretation of she was being sexually immoral yes it becomes more accusational okay but i think under that i really love where eric goes with this talking about what she is what she likely was thirsting for was the security of you know a normal married life all of the stability that brought and jesus exposes like how short that falls compared to the living water he's offering i'm having to let go of some of my pre you know i Uh, think i'm coming that's fair with that that old idea it's got to let it go and see it in in a new light I think what you were alluding to was for with her previous husbands. Yeah. The closure and acceptance, security, significance, and how she didn't recognize that as something that she was holding on to. Mm -hmm. How much of that are we holding on to when we know who the living water is now? And why are we not running down to whoever so excited? Well, I'll speak for myself. So excited about this living water to share with those around us Mm -hmm. and what he has given us. And 
what we can also then push aside because we don't need it. While they're on the subject of the husband, she shifts gears again. So which mountain do you think we should worship on? (laughs) Do you think she's avoiding? I read that Uh as she's trust. She trusts him as an authority. Okay. And so she wants to know, like, settle this for me. Okay. Where are we going to worship? Is it Mount Gerizim? Is it in Jerusalem? Like, come on, (laughs) let's set the record straight. Okay. You don't see her maybe as avoiding? I don't. Okay. We talk about discipleship as a process. Yes. And you see where she ends up, at least at the end of this narrative, right? Mm -hmm. I would love to know more about her life beyond this, but we see at the end, she abandons her jar and she goes and proclaims like who Jesus is. So yeah, it seems that maybe if there are maybe like these micro points of resistance overall, she is coming to trust him and submit to him as an authority. And don't we then do the same thing? when we are growing in our discipleship with another is that we're questioning and that questioning is how we grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause by her asking that very thing, he's able to be very clear with her. Yeah. Yeah. I'm making a new way to worship right. yeah. in spirit and spirit in truth. truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No yeah. need for either mountain. No. <laughs> I love how Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Yeah. Who? The very first one he says that to? She goes and she tells, okay, I love this so much. She's so excited. And, and people believed because of her witness. She doesn't have to be Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. We don't have to be Jesus mm-hmm. to others. We just need to say, this is who Jesus is. This is what he's done for me. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to make it something hard or to be nervous for. Just tell people what Jesus Just go. Is. Just go. <laughs> and all I know is that once I was blind, but now I see. So it's, you just say what he's done for you. And it yeah. kind of takes the pressure off. This is a total quote from Eric. It says, you see, you don't have to manufacture saving faith. Yeah, You just have to transfer it from where you are already getting it where you already got it because you're placing your faith in somewhere somewhere Mm -hmm. and we dang water jars yeah (laughs) is it a functional savior yeah yeah absolutely what are we what are those for us (laughs) it's a fun question right it (laughs) is yeah if i just get that job then i'll be happy Mm. if i just get that new car then i'll be happy Mm. If I could just own my house, then I'll be happy. It's a lot. Yeah. Especially in our culture where everything's so loud. Right. We're bombarded. We're, we're thirsting for something. And if we don't slow down and have that alone time with Jesus, he, he'll come get us. Pursue <laughs> don't us you, don't relentlessly. You, don't you really think that takes intention? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next week. Well, I think Aaron will be back next week. Man, what's that going to be like? I don't know. He may either be relaxed or like raring to go. We'll see. Almost forget what it's like to podcast with Aaron. <laughs> no, it'll come back real quick. I've been saying. Let's practice. I've Let's been, practice. I've been saying so many, I got something. so many complete sentences. <laughs> see, I was trying to interrupt every, every word. All right. So it's we, November. It's November. So what do we have coming up? Well, now that pumpkin killing is behind us, we are getting closer to the rest of the holidays, the rest of this year. And... 
every year, uh, previously we referred to them as agape dinners or gatherings that we would encourage among our gospel communities. And this year we've rebranded from now Simplified. on. Simplified. The dinners formerly known as agape That's right. <laughs> are, now, are now called community dinners. So each of our gospel communities is being asked to host a community dinner. Um, they are taking place at various locations, various dates throughout middle late November. Um, and so we really encourage gospel communities to invite whoever they'd like to these groups, whether they go to Element or do not. It'll be a great opportunity to gather together and celebrate the season. And in addition, uh, people at Element can actually just sign up if um, they haven't been connected with one yet. We will help them get connected. They can and we will. However, um, I think it'd be more most prudent if all of our GCs, myself included. Most prudent. Most prudent <laughs> to see that people by and large don't sign up that way for these dinners. I think the, I think the highest we've ever had was like four yep. families in the past at and one time. And some of those were out of state. <laughs> yep. Not, true story <laughs> last year. To see that it's really personal invite that really gets people connected to one of these dinners to invite anybody in um, and welcome them. Um, you can create a flyer. You can do a digital evite and grab people's numbers, but look around on Sunday. And even if you don't know if they're in a group or not, it's okay to ask. It's okay to say, Hey, are you, are you going to an agape or <laughs> see community it's, dinner? It's going to take a couple years. Wah, wah, it's muted. It's okay to ask, hey, are you going to a, one of these community dinners? Uh, and even if you are, we'd love to have you. To, I'd like to get to know you better. Great opportunity. That's the primary way people will get connected to a dinner is personal invite, maybe even multiple times over the next couple of Sundays um, and, and being invited. Please do not rely on the rest of Element just signing up to attend. But thank you for hosting. That's great. We need groups to do it. We will be back next week with uh, Pastor Aaron. Pastor <laughs> Aaron. So we call him when no, he's not around. That's right. Pastor Aaron. <laughs> with uh, We'll be back with the one, the only Aaron. 